This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. morning. We're going to have to start doing the Calvary Crunch. You guys know what that is? And you like squeeze together. Good to see you guys. Blessed to be here this morning. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I'd love for you to be able to follow along in God's Word with us this morning. We'll have somebody come right to you with a Bible. <clears throat> So today we find ourselves concluding our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. What a journey it's been, has it not? It's been a journey. It's been great. Uh, the, the whole book, we, we titled the whole book as these, the real church. This is what each series that we looked at as we went through. And we broke the book down into five different series varying in length from three messages to four or five, and uh, we broke it up into five, and, and if you were here in this first service, don't say anything, and don't look at your notes. Who can remember what the first series was about? Who can remember any of the series? Just say one of the series. Yeah, we digress very quickly. Just one. Huh? Real commitment. She just did three. Like not even looking down at her paper. Real wisdom was the first one. What was the second one? Real sexuality. I think we lost some people at that one. That's all right, though. It's in the Bible. I didn't say anything. Real commitment, real behavior, and real hope. I think I would say I really enjoyed the Real Hope series. The last three weeks have really just blessed me looking through that, uh, talking about the resurrection, our hope in God, and His intention of restoration. I'm really encouraged and blessed by that series. Any of those series, as you can check out, they're all online on our website. They're all on YouTube. We have a great team that edits and puts those together, a team of one. One guy does that, but we have a great team otherwise that does other things. So, uh, And today, in conclusion... Chapter 16, the title of today's message is, What's the Plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? Paul's saying, hey, this is what's happening. This is how we're going to be moving forward. And he kind of he brings them in the loop, giving them a projection of what the future for him is going to look, look like. And if you're a note taker, I want to give you three C's this morning that you can follow along. I broke this chapter into three sections. You have three C's. And the reason I do that, if anybody wonders, is because it's easier to remember. And when you can remember, you can apply it. The three C's for us this morning are collection, contrivance, and collaborate. Maybe you've never heard of contrivance before, but if you try to contrive something, it's to, to think or to plan or to purpose to have something come to pass. We're going to talk more about that when we get to the second P or second C. But collection, contrivance, and collaborate, collaboration. As we go through, um, I will note those for you so that you can take notes if you'd like. My question to you is, 
do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Are you open to that plan changing? Do you set goals? Statistically speaking, purely statistics say that people who make plans or, or set goals are more likely, highly more likely to succeed in what they want to do than people who do not. And I think that this, we should have something to say about this in the church as well. The, the Bible says that man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So there's still a process of planning. Man prepares the horse for battle, but the Lord wins the war. That's uh, Psalm and we can see many things in Scripture where, where there's a preparation for, there's a planning for. Jesus says what man doesn't take into consideration the cost of something beforehand. Going to war, consider the cost. Building a building, consider the cost. And for us as believers, individually in our life, what does that look like, the planning process and Corporately, what does that look like? Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning. I used to be of the position that, you know, I, I planned less so the Lord could do more. I found out that that was somewhat irresponsible of me. And I didn't get as much done as I wanted to get done because I didn't have a plan or a way to execute it. Paul's very intentional, he's a very driven man, and he lays forth this plan, and I think it's good insight for us to take and consider today, even for our own personal lives. Let's jump into chapter 16, verse 1, after we pray together. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this gathering of saints of people who love you and want to get together and hear from you. Speak to us, we pray, Father, as we study through your holy word. Convict us, rebuke us, bless us as we submit ourselves to you, as we submit our hearts to you. Do that work which only you can do. Thank you for that blessed time of worship, Father. We thank you that we can offer you the fruit of our lips in form of, of singing and song. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that you communicate to us in the studying of your word. And we want to take this as an opportunity to learn and to worship you through the application of your word. And Father, bless the tithes and offerings that are given to you in Jesus' name as a form of worship. We want to recognize that you are the priority in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's all right. Chapter 16, verse 1, starting with collection. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. In all of the Bible, these are some of the strongest given words on uh, collection or offerings. There's other places that talk about it, but it's specifically in the New Testament, Paul comes across kind of firm here to the believers. 
And what he's saying is there's, there's, a, there's a collection that, that you know about, that he talked about in other places, that we're going to be collecting money to take to the church in Jerusalem. They're struggling. There was a famine at that time. The church in Jerusalem was known for their, their thriving widows and, and children's ministry that they needed help with. And he's giving them practic- very practical instruction. He's coming to them. They're going to see each other soon. And the first thing he says, now concerning. This is because, Paul says this in many other places as well, this is because this is a response to or an answer to a question that they presented to him. They said, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? And he says, well, concerning that, concerning this, this is what you should do. And this is an answer to their question. They say, hey, what about the collection, Paul? And he says, concerning the collection, as I have given orders to the church in Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. There's so much jam-packed in these few verses that we're going to try to unpack it a little and talk about it. First of all, he says, uh, once a week, on the first day of the week, make it a priority for you. And, and he even says, order. I order you. <laughs> first of all, I'd like to t- say this this morning. If you're new this morning, I apologize. We're, we're just going through the text, but we don't talk about money. We believe that if God is doing something, then he's going to provide for that work. I had a very strong conviction, and Grace and I agreed together in that conviction. That when we were missionaries, we wouldn't ask people for money. And we said, if God wants us to be here, then he's going to take care of. And we saw things happen. God provide for us supernaturally in ways that we would have never seen if we were out trying to raise money for ourselves. We just didn't do it. Not to mention it was a relief coming home. We weren't trying to, you know, drum up support, which is what they said. The other missionaries, they'd go back on furloughs and they'd spend their entire time traveling from church to church, driving thousands and thousands of miles to drum up support. And it was more exhausting for them to go home than it was for them to be on the field. And they're like, what do you guys do when when you go home? We're like, you know, stuff like vacation stuff. We go fishing and hang out with our friends and family. It's really cool. What about support? We don't ask for support. You guys are stupid. We know. The Lord just takes care of us, you know. One time, uh, I've shared this story with you guys before, but one time, our support came in for the month, and, and um, it was $1,000 more than it normally was. It was pretty regular each month, you know, and this month comes $1,000 more, and I was super excited. I was like, $1,000? This is like $10,000, you know? What are we going to do, babe? Can I get a scooter, please? It'd be so cool if we had a little Vespa cruising around the city, or what else do you want to do? You know, we got that. let's go out to eat all week. Just kidding. And it wasn't about a week later that um, Grace had her second miscarriage. This time she was in uh, second trimester. We had had one right in the States before we moved over. Now we were in Croatia. She's in the second trimester. She had a miscarriage. She had to go in the hospital for three days. They had, you know, to make sure she was okay. It, it was right at the same time that everybody was leaving Croatia. We were the only ones left. And we're just like, man, what is going on? And as we're walking out of the hospital, going home after that whole ordeal, 
swing by the payment window, and the lady slides the bill across the counter to me, and there it said in Kuna, the equivalent in dollars, $998. And we're just like, thank you, Lord. You know, not only was it traumatic and something difficult that we had to go through at the beginning of our marriage, but God wanted us to know that he knew what was going on and he was going to take care of us through that process. And that, that moment that that money left my wallet and crossed the window over to, that, to, to the lady in, at, the, at the window, my heart was just as full as it could be in those circumstances. God's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. All that to say, Paul says, hey, once a week, put a little, put a little aside that, that, that he who stores up may prosper and that there be no collections when I come. This is probably my favorite part of these verses, that there be no collections while, uh, when I come. You know why? Because Paul doesn't want people giving out of compulsion. And nowadays, you know, I'm going to say this may come across kind of, kind of harsh. I apologize ahead of time. I said it in the first service, and I apologize after I said it. Now I have to include it in this one. I think it's convenient how, you know, in churches that pass the plate, it's, everybody has their own convictions. That's whatever, okay? But in churches that pass the plate, they always have the melodramatic music playing, you know. You know this is, just give to the Lord, you know, get, you, get the mood set right. Turn the lights down. Maybe a couple extra bucks will fall into the bucket or whatever. Paul wants there to be no emotionalism when it comes to the, the fact of giving for others. Nothing whatsoever. He said, I'm not going to come and convince you that you have to give. I'm not going to come and make you give. I'm not going to try to set the stage and make it some kind of emotional experience so that you can be brought to the place where you're giving to the Lord. He says, no, you plan ahead of time. This is what I'm going to do once a week. I'm going to set it aside so that, he says, that person can prosper because the more that you give, the more that the Lord blesses you with and gives back to you, and I want there to be zero emotionalism involved in the process. So I'm going to come to you and you have prepared what was ready for when I was coming. And you know that I'm coming. And I really dislike, this is, the, the, my personal convictions have carried over into the church. I really dislike churches begging for money. It ought not be. God can take care of his church. And when it's in the text, we can talk about it. And it can just be a thing, like where we're talking about it. But nobody's ever going to be emotionally manipulated to give money to God. If, if you want to do that, that's between you and him. I remember one story of a girl on the mission field. They get pretty crazy with just accountability and stuff. And she wasn't Calvary Chapel. She was part of a different organization. And, and she went home and she came back and she was kind of upset. We're over at her house. We're hanging out with her. And, and, and she's kind of upset. And she's like, this guy keeps bugging me. I'm like, what? She's like, he, 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 he wants an itemized list of the things I spend his support on. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, how much does he give you a month? She said, 20 bucks. He wants an itemized list. I said, well, I got one for you. Right back and tell him you buy your toilet paper for the month with his support. I mean, stuff's going to come up. Maybe that was a little much too. I apologize. But <laughs> an itemized list of $20? We're going to be held accountable for what we do. Absolutely. And Paul's saying, I want you guys to be prepared to help others to help this situation 
I'm not going to do it emotionally, and I'm going to, and I'm, and, and, and when I come, you can have somebody come with me. Designate somebody, whomever you approve by your letters. I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem, or if it's fitting, I'll go also. Or we can go together. You know, it's it's not a not a thing. It's, it needs to be simple. Make a plan. All that to say, I'd like to share something with you this morning. This is what the Lord is doing, okay? This is what the Lord, where the Lord had us in the text this morning. This is what we really uh, were, were needing to talk about. And I have a, a big announcement for you that I want to share with you guys all, and mostly primarily that you'd be in prayer for us. Paradise Calvary Chapel is a blessed and growing church. If you can't tell, look around yourself. We started two services the end of last year. We're starting our third service next month. A year later, we're going to have three Sunday services. God is pouring out his spirit. People are getting saved. People's lives are being transformed. I am blown away and honored that God would allow me to be part of the work that he's doing in your guys' life right now. We outgrew this building much quicker than we thought we were going to. Two years. Maybe you have a little bit of room around you sitting next to you. Maybe if you come to the first service, you have a little bit more room. But go in the back. You, you don't have no room back there. We've run out of space for the kids, and, and we want to do our best to be good stewards and to be as much as you're blessed that the kids would be blessed even more. A mortgage on a building for about a million dollars would be cheaper than the rent that we pay here. So right now, we're taking steps. We have a CPA we're meeting with, and we're taking steps to secure either property or our own building so that we can grow into our own facility and we can have more opportunity to reach out and have a presence in the community. So I'm announcing today officially that we're starting a building fund. It's not something that I'm going to emotionally manipulate you to try to get you to give to. It's something that I want to let you know about. There's going to be ways for you to give directly to it. And we as a church are purposing after this model in ourselves that we every week on the first day of the week, we are going to take a portion of money and set it aside for this need that we have. And once we are able to set aside enough, we're going to make decisions that are going to affect the ministry that God's called us to be a part of in, in a much greater way by having our own place and having different ministries that we can't do because, because we lease this building and share it with another church. So first and foremost, um, what's the plan? For Paul, he's going through that process, and it starts with collection. For us, what's the plan? We're moving forward in the Lord with what he has for us for this church. We're going to do this building project, building fund. If you want to designate to it, that would be awesome. We are going to as a church and, and we want to, we hope and pray to see all that God has to do with us through, through us in that process. So first and foremost, please, I ask you that, that you'd be praying for us. There's also different, different things and complications that come up when a church grows. I've already had people approach me and say, man, we really love like the small church paradise feel. Are we going to lose that? That's up to you guys. Our foundation in this church has always been and always will be uh, fellowship with each other. It has been supporting each other. It's been community. I want you guys to continue to get involved in the different things that we have. We have stuff every night, every day of the week. Men's Bible study on Monday night. Women's Bible study on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night. The midweek service on Wednesday. Alive on Thursday Life group on Tuesday that I miss. There's, 
There's all kinds of stuff going on. Get connected. Get to know people. Love people. Because we are a church that loves, and it, it has shown that to others. And that's a big reason why, why people are understanding and seeing the changes that God is doing in our, in our church right now. Submit ourselves to him. Love and serve one another, and, and he takes care of us. I have no doubt in my mind that God is going to take care of us. First C, collection. Second C, verse 5, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. Our second C, contrivance. Again, contrive is to plan, to purpose, to prepare yourself for something. And Paul, did he did very clearly have a plan of what the future was going to look like. There's two P's in your life. There's a capital P and there's a lowercase p. You are able, by the grace of God, to be involved in the lowercase p. But you have to submit yourself under the capital P's plan because God's plan for you is greater than any plan you could have for yourself. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? You will never be able to have a better plan for your life than the plan that God has for your life. And sometimes when you're going through life, you may not understand everything. And you may say, why isn't this fitting together the way that I wanted it to? This is why, because God's big P plan is much better than your plan. And you'd never, ever, you'd never prefer it once you saw it, if you knew the things that God had in store for you. And this is very expressly seen through what Paul just said, isn't it? He says, now I will come to you. He's got a plan. This is what I'm doing when I pass through Macedonia, because I'm going that way. And it may be that I will remain. It may be. Look at that may. You can circle it. That's an indicator. Not an absolute. It may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. I want to spend longer with you. That's the reason I'm doing my trip like this, that you may send me on my journey, comma, wherever I go. <laughs> Paul, he didn't really know fully exactly where he was going or what he was doing next. He was completely submitted to the capital P plan, but he still had a lowercase p plan. He said, this is what my next year looks like. These are my goals. This is the direction that I'm going in. That's good, right? That's good, right? Yeah. This is my plan. And it is in subjection to the capital P plan. Whatever I do, wherever I go, I'm totally content and confident in, in my calling before God. Remember when Paul was going somewhere and, and God stopped him? The Macedonian vision? And God says, Paul, I know Paul was a very purposeful, driven man. And he's like, I'm going to this place, and this is where I'm going to preach the gospel, and people need to get saved. And God's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I've got a better place for you to go. Wouldn't you want to say, yeah, that's where I want to go. I want to go where, where the better place to go is, not just where I think is good to go. 
And he went to where not only was there a need, but there was an outpouring of God's spirit. And and, and Paul got to witness a revival, people getting saved. It's incredible. Capital P, lowercase p. This is my plan. But, verse 7, I do not wish to see you now on the way, short term, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits, what does God want? He wants you to understand and be about what the capital P, his plan is for your life, not just what you want to do with with your life. But I will tarry in Ephesus, verse 8, until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Just talking about this on Wednesday night. The children of Israel are going through the desert. Between chapters 19 and chapter 20, 38 years transpires. That first part of Numbers that we were going through was the beginning of them going into the wilderness and some of the issues they had in the beginning. Chapter 20 is, is the very end of that time, and it's right before they're getting to the promised land to enter in. And something happens as they're getting closer to the promised land to get ready to enter in because it's that season that God has for them. What happens? They start to get attacked more and more. They're just going and somebody attacks them and they say, hey, hey, listen, king, can we pass through your land? We promise not to touch anything or take anything. We're just trying to get over to this area. And they say, absolutely not. And they get their whole army to show in strength multiple times. And the children of Israel have to take a detour and go around. And the adversary is just beating them down. And every single time the enemy shows up, what happens? A greater victory from the Lord comes. And the same is true for you and for I. When we start to enter into the promises of God in our life, we start to receive and stand on the things that he wants us to be serious about and stand on. The enemy comes back at us even harder. And you're like, why are all these terrible things happening to me? Because as much as God has a good plan for you, the enemy wants to do whatever it takes to stop you from focusing on the big P. Because if he can get our eyes off the big picture, and he can get us looking at ourselves, and he can get us to start becoming selfish and prideful, and frustrated, then we become ineffective to be used by God in our daily life. Not absolutely 100%. Hopefully there's a process of restoration that happens quickly, but he will slow the process down. Part of the plan is we're going forward. He says, I'm going forward. This is the plan. He says, a great effective door of ministry has been made available to me. And in this door opening for me, I have discovered many adversaries. And what does he say? He says, that means that I'm not going nowhere. (laughs) I'm going to stay here. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to be where I know that God wants me to be. So if that's you right now in a difficult season in your life, and you are you know, there's no sin issue, there's no, no problem, no discipline issues or anything like that. And, and, and you are, you're looking forward to, you're seeing the promises of God that are going to be fulfilled in your life. Just know that the enemy is going to, to, to want a piece of that. He's going to want a piece of your attention. 
the beginning of this year, I'll share something with you a little more intimate. I won't get into details, but the, the beginning of this year, I was on my face seeking the Lord for this year and everything, and the Lord told me this year is going to be different. This year for you, Tim, and for the church is going to be a very good year. And he said it to me very clearly. He said, this is going to be a very good year. I said, thank you, Jesus. I need a good year. Not the tire either. I'd need four if I wanted one of those. At least. Then there's the spare. But anyway, I need, Lord, I need a good year. And he said, this is going to be a good year. And I'm like, yes. And then right after that, boom, I got a right hook. Right after that, left hook, right hook, left. And I'm just like, what'd you say about the good year? And it was a couple few months later that I was praying and I was taking inventory of everything that had happened the last few months. And I was like, hey, Lord, remember that thing you said to me about the good year? Hasn't been so good this year. Gonna need a little help. I'm feeling a little down. I was like, Tim, shut your mouth. Do you believe the promises that I give you, or do you, do you not believe them? I said, okay, God, I have little faith. <laughs> help, me with my, help me with my unbelief. It's not that I don't believe. It's just that I'm struggling right now. And then, boom, effective door, effective door, effective door. And then the punches keep coming, and I'm like, when you see the promises of God start to be fulfilled in your life, it really gives you new perspective and allows you to prioritize a little bit better. God is for you. He wants you to be part of the capital P plan that he has for your life. You know what? He wants you to be part of the capital P plan that he has for us as a fellowship. So blessed by our church, all the stuff God is doing. And the best way that that can happen is individually as you are in tune and, to sub and submitted to the will of the Father and corporately and collectively we, we start to see that fruit and the glory of God through it. Don't you want to see that? Do you want to see it? I want to see it. God's glory is glorious. It's incredible. And I want to be part of the big P. A man plans his way but the Lord sets his steps. If the Lord permits, I will come to you and I will stay. But for now, I have to remain in Ephesus because of this great door that's been opened to me. Moving on from contrivance or contrive, we go to collaborate, which is the last part before the final farewell. And you can break these down to collect, contrive, or collab if it makes it easier for you to remember. But this is a lesson for us. And it's application for us today. So entering into um, collaborate, verse 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. In this section, Paul is going to go through a list of names. He's going to say this person and that person and this person and that person and this person because Paul understands that interpersonal relationships are very important and foundational for the church. He's been dealing with a lot of division between people. He's trying to bring unity back together. 
And he wants people to be unified. He says, hey, Timothy's coming to you. Timothy's a good guy. Timothy's a handsome guy. He's strong. He's intelligent. Everybody whose name is Timothy, these are the characteristics that they have. Maybe he didn't say all that, but I mean, it kind of goes without saying, right? He's kidding. It's just a joke. See that he comes to you without fear. Hey, Tim's coming. Tim's a stand-up guy. Tim works with me in, in, in service to the Lord. That's what he says. See that he may not may, may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Get along, guys. Get along. You know, one of the things that was really difficult for me is to see disunity in the body of Christ. And when we lived in Croatia, all of the pastors in the city that we lived in, all the pastors hated each other. And all the churches were really small, 20, 30 people, 20s at like the average size. I'm just like, what's wrong with you guys? You know, like the enemy has done such a good job of getting your eyes off the big P and so focused on the little P. So I reached out to all of them and I said, hey, listen, guys, we're going to, me and another brother, another of the pastors here, we're going to get together and meet every week and pray together. Because if you can't at least just pray together, what can you do? We're not talking about anything else. We're not going to bring up any of our pet doctrine. We're not going to define, you know, who's elect and who's not elect. We're not going to go through the smorgasbord of theological argument. We're just going to pray. Okay, we're going to pray for our city, half a million people that need Jesus. And there's seven to 10 of us who can't get along. You just come pray with us. That first week, one guy came, it was me and him. And we met every week and prayed together for the other pastors, for the other churches, for God to pour out his spirit. A couple of years later, almost every single church in the city was represented in, in these prayer meetings that we would have. And I truly believe that, that what is happening in Croatia right now, I get really excited about it. I hope it rubs off on you guys. We've got the church plant in Zagreb. Ben and Emily were just here. That's doing great. And the church down south that we handed over is doing wonderful. And, and, and the gospel is being preached. And, and things, are, things are great. Two years ago, we took a, a missions trip from our church to go bless not just Little C Church in Croatia, but we wanted to bless all the churches. And because we cultivated and prayed for each other and had these relationships, I, I get let the word out. I said, hey guys, I'm going to be in town. I love you guys. I want to see you. We're going to do a three-day seminar on, on something. I'm going to teach, you know, the, the whole thing. And, and I want to invite you guys to come. It's going to be a great time. One of the churches hosted us so we could meet at their church. And that night was packed out. There was no room for anybody else to be in that room. And five different churches were represented. And they'd never done anything like that before. They were like, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, hey, you guys over there, just speak in tongues a little bit quieter. It's just fine, just for tonight. And you guys over there, just put your ribbons down for a little bit. It's just gonna, just, just for tonight, let's just get together tonight and just, and just love Jesus and love each other and allow God to pour out his spirit and teach us something. 
we need to be about collaborating in the church. And I talk about inside our, ch- our church as well. I talk about talking to people and blessing each other and loving each other. You don't come here as an individual and then get to stay and leave as fast as you can afterwards. Now listen, if that's you, I apologize. I don't want to put you on the spot or make you feel bad. But there's things that people have, gifts that they have to offer you, to give you. And you know what is even better? We talked about it a couple months ago. You have gifts that that you have that you can give to others as well. I'm still sitting on and considering that message that Ben gave when he was here. You're blessed to be a blessing. Recognize your blessing. Recognize how God has formed you and called you and gifted you. And instead of taking it for yourself and holding on to it and and having it be a selfish thing that you've received, take it and give it to somebody else. You like to talk? Don't come talk to me for two hours. If that's your gift, go talk to somebody who is retired and lives alone and doesn't get to talk to anybody all day long. Hey, it's a gift, you know? That wasn't bad, was it? Is that mean? I'm sorry. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. That wasn't my intention, okay? Just love each other. I believe that, that this is what's happening in our fellowship. God is, is pouring his spirit into us. We, we already have it. He's just giving us, he's just giving us you know, uh, uh, an empowering of his spirit so that, that we can receive it and not just take it and keep it for ourselves, but so we can give it to others. And, and so that we can represent him, right? We want to be good representatives of the Lord. And, and when he sees people doing that, he's like, well, you guys are representing me well. What does he do? He gives us some more. He's like, you dummies, you signed that five-year lease. You had no idea what I was going to be doing. Well, you know, Lord, little faith. We have a little. It was a mustard seed. He wants to meet you. He's going to meet you. Allow the collaboration of the saints to work together with the capital P plan that he has for your life. Allow your life, allow yourself to be a blessing to another. And you know what I talked about, the talkers? You know who we don't talk about enough? We don't talk about the listeners enough. Because there's some people seriously, legitimately, just have a gift of listening, don't they? And they don't say anything. They don't try to correct you. And they don't, they just, in, in, <laughs> in, in, in a measure of grace, they just, just tell me. Just tell me. You're blessed to be a blessing. Thanks, Ben. Probably not even watching this. Probably sleeping, you bum. Middle of the night over there. Be nice to Tim. He's a good guy. Timothy, when he comes to you. Verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at first. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. If you remember, Apollos was uh, one of the people that the Corinthian church was trying to put up on a a pedestal. Some say, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Paul, I am of Christ. Remember, he talks about it in the beginning. And Apollos, for whatever reason, we don't know exactly, at this point, he's kind of distancing himself. He's like, I taught, Paul said, I tried to talk Apollos into coming to see you. He won't do it. (laughs) 
You guys messed that one up. But he's going to come eventually. He just wants to give you a little bit of time to simmer down. This isn't about a person. This isn't about a man. This is about a kingdom. It's big picture stuff. But Apollos preached the gospel to them, loved them. I strongly urge him to come to you. Understand the value of your relationship with Apollos. Continue to have him come be a part of that ministry. Watch. Stand fast, verse 13, in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Here's our takeaway for this morning. If you're taking notes, write these four things down. What does he say? He says, watch. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. He says, you got a plan? Good. As you're going, watch. I caught myself driving through an intersection. I was thinking about things. I had a lot of stuff on my mind lately, and I was thinking about things, and as I was driving through the intersection, I kind of found myself just zoning out, and I didn't look both ways in traffic before I went through the, the red light. No, it was green. But I always, whenever I go through an intersection, I always, when I get to an intersection, I'm always staring at my rearview mirror. Because I want to know if somebody's going to hit me, you know? And if I'm going through an intersection, I'm looking both ways. You know why? Because just because it's green for me and it's red for him doesn't mean he's going to stop. And I've seen it many times. People get T-boned, guys running red lights. I went and signed up at EOS, the gym, you know, I love it. It's been great. I was talking to the guy that signed me up. We were going back and forth, you know, and I was like, I like this guy. So I was going to the gym for a couple months, hadn't seen him, asked one of the people, hey, where, what's his face at? I haven't seen him since he signed me up. I want to talk to him, you know. He said, oh, he died. What? Hey, he, he got in a motorcycle accident. He died immediately. I'm like, like that. I'm here. I'm talking to this 20-something-year-old kid who's like something out of a magazine. He's all ripped, tatted kind of guy I want to be my friend, you know, let's go hang out, flex. <laughs> and just like that, just like that. That's one reason I, I, I will never own a motorcycle in Las Vegas. I, I've ridden my whole life. I love it. I love riding. I grew up on bikes, but I can't do it. And it's not because I doubt my ability. That's for sure. It's because people are crazy. They don't pay attention. Watch, pay attention. You've got a plan. You're going in the right direction. Don't get sideswiped. Don't let something catch you off guard. Keep your focus. Stand fast in the face. faith. Stand fast in the faith. Be rooted, immovable. Stand. Be brave. I like that. Be brave. Some would argue in the original Greek, the translation, you can translate that. Uh, and, and there's a couple versions that do, as to act like a man. Act like a man. Be brave. Be ferocious. Be courageous. Be brave. And then lastly, be strong. These are all military terms. And let all that you do be done with love. Doesn't that tie everything together so beautifully? Watch. Stand fast. Be brave. Be strong in love. Love, which is what's going to make the biggest difference in your life and those around you. I urge you, brethren, 
You know the household of Stephanus, that it was the first fruits of Icaia, and they, that they had devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunus, and Icaeus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men." These three, it's believed by scholars that Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus, who come from the household of Stephanus, who were one of the first people that were saved in that area, they're the ones who bring these letters back and forth from Corinth to Paul. So, so it's believed that they're the ones that delivered this message, the questions, hey, Paul, they want to know about this, and they want to know about that, and they want to know about this, and what about the collections and stuff like that. And then Paul's responding to them and, and, and says, okay, this is, this, is, this is what I have on my heart to share with you, but then here's an answer to your questions, this, this, that, and then they take it back, and he says, I'm grateful for them in this relationship. Honor them as such in this relationship. For what I was lacking on your part, they supplied. They helped above and beyond what I needed to continue. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Look at them. They're like, they're like a, a, not quite a mediator, but, but they're like a go-between. And, and it's because of this relationship between these few guys. Most believe one is a master with two of his slaves, his household slaves. And because of this relationship... Paul and the Corinthian church were able to have uh, uh, refreshment from each other. You know how things get lost in translations? Things get lost because of confusion. No communication, where there's no communication, accusations rise up and, and, and people respond poorly. There is this, this man, these guys, who were dedicated to keeping the lines of communication open and clear. And he says, they blessed me. They were refreshing to my spirit, and they were refreshing to the Corinthians also. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Collaborate. This is what your relationships should look like. This is what people are doing for you and for me. This is how the body of Christ is made to work, is made to function. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord. Priscilla and Aquila, another couple, still in this collab phase, greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's a good verse. So I had a, a best friend, one a very good friend of mine, who we went to Bible college together, and years later he came and he he served with us in Croatia, and we're still really close, but he came to me one day, and, you know, he's kind of like, we kind of poke at each other and mess with each other. He's like, hey, Tim, you teach the Bible, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you do everything the Bible tells you to do? I'm like, of course I do. Like, I'm passionate about, you know, doing God's Word. He's like, oh, yeah, let's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, buddy, and we'll see if you do. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I can't remember the last time I saw you kiss somebody. I'm like, well, I'm not going to kiss you, that's for sure. But it was customary in that day for people to greet each other with a kiss. And it really spoke to the level of relationship and intimacy between two people. And it is, I will say without getting into it, it is one of the things that I really enjoy uh, and I came to enjoy with our church in Croatia. I'd stand at the front door and as everybody came to church or left, they would all give me a kiss as they came in and they would be kissing each other. Maybe it sounds weird, but from now on, we're all going to kiss each other. 
turn to your neighbor and kiss them. Come on. <laughs> Hopefully you're sitting by somebody you know. Good job, Miranda. <laughs> She's like, I'm not letting this opportunity pass. Come here, babe. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Again, like I just said, this speaks of a level of intimacy between people. And, and, and it does. Whenever we were in that kind of context and you, know, you were kissing each other, it was like, oh, man, we're like, you wouldn't kiss somebody you didn't like or that you had problems with. It would force you to address the issues with each other, you know? Like, before I kiss you, I got to tell you, last week you didn't brush your teeth. I need you to start doing that. <laughs> it's not a lipper. It's a cheeker, so don't worry. <laughs> verse I digress. Verse 21, the salutation with my own this the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. The emphasis is on loving Jesus. I love it. And he he begins at the beginning of the book with Jesus, he ends with Jesus. Isn't that good? To love the Lord Jesus. He says, let them be a curse. There's three levels of discipline in the synagogue. First level of discipline, you'd be put out for 30 days. And if in that 30 days you, you address the situation or handled your sin, then you're allowed to come back in. If you weren't, then you were kept out longer. And then the third form of discipline in the Jewish synagogue was called anathema. And what it meant was you were put out and cut off. You are no longer uh, able to repent and to come back. And you'd already gone through the process. And, and, and Paul saying, if there's anybody who doesn't love Jesus, if that's not really the motivation in, in being in church, if anybody doesn't love him, then, then may they be put out. It's just a picture. And it really has to do with an individual person's relationship with God, not for the church to decide whether somebody loves Jesus or not. But you get, you get the picture. He's just saying pretty emphatically that that has to be the focus. It's got to be Jesus. Oh, Lord, come. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus' name. So he ends with Jesus. He ends with love. And he ends with grace which is where we got to settle, right? We got to consider again today the great abundance of God's grace in our lives. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Father, your grace abounds to us. You're so merciful and gracious. And we today, from your word, God, we want to submit ourselves to you. We want to take our little P and throw it down at your feet and say, it's all about the big P, Lord. What do you want? What is your will? What is your purpose? Because we believe that you have good and exceedingly precious promises to us, and we want to be serious about those things that connect to the big P and not lose focus and get sideswiped by a car because it's all about our little P. God, we thank you for our fellowship, for these brothers and sisters of mine that I've got to see growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this season that you have for us, God. Pour out your Spirit on us. Allow us to be effective witnesses for you everywhere that we go, that your love would just 
exude through us. Be glorified, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a question for you guys this morning. I don't know what's been going on with you lately. I, I know that there's somebody here for sure, but I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord in, in what the word from the Lord was today. And I really have to believe that the, the, the main thing was that are we about the capital P plan or are we about the lowercase p plan? And you may have gotten off track. You may have emphasized more what you want God's plan to be for your life and, and more concerned about that coming to pass than his capital P plan coming. And I have to tell you again that his plan is so good. And while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord and say, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That your plan and your purpose is far above and greater than mine. Help me to get my eyes off the little P and to focus on the big P. If that's you, while everybody's in an attitude of prayer, raise your hand high because I want to pray for you. The Lord already knows what's in your heart. Anybody else? We're going to pray together, church. Anybody else? Little P, capital P. Father, I lift up these who are honest with you and you already saw their hearts that they would submit themselves to you and seek you so that they can find you and then they could see what the capital P is. And maybe it doesn't make sense right now, but you know, God, bring them refreshing and blessing, God, as they shift their focus from what their plan was to what your plan is and will come to pass in Jesus' name. Also, I want to give everybody an opportunity here. I don't know if you're new. We have some new people. I don't know where you stand. But, but you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And today you want to make that happen. You want to submit yourself to God, repent of your sins, so that you can start to see what the capital P looks like. I want to encourage you to take that step because God's plan for you is much greater than anything you could have for yourself. So if there's anybody here this morning who's never made that confession of faith in Jesus Christ and you want to be part of God's big plan by repenting of your sins and submitting yourself to him, raise your hand. Everybody's heads bowed. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father God, I lift up my brother who in boldness has stepped forward to become part of your family. He has struggled in this season of life and he needs your help. Redirecting the course back from the little plans that he had for himself, focusing and submitting himself to you for the big plans that you have for him. And he can enter into that relationship and does today in Jesus' name through the sacrifice that your son made. Father, touch his heart, transform his life, give him the gift of your Holy Spirit so he can have spiritual eyes to see the things that you want to teach him in and lead him in in this season that he's entering. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.